Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. William Ernest Henley Join us for today's episode as we kick off our mini-series emphasizing Black History in celebration of Black History Month. This episode focuses on the growth mindset of Nelson Mandela, former South African president. The title of William Ernest Henley's poem, Invictus, is a Latin word meaning unconquerable. The poem was regularly recited by Mandela during his 27 years of imprisonment. Stay with us to learn about Nelson Mandela's unconquerable growth mindset. After listening to the episode, check out our Instagram at growthmindsetxp. Give us a follow and join the Growth Mindset Experience community. We are better together. Welcome to the Growth Mindset Experience podcast. Here we are inspired to expand our growth mindsets in every aspect of life by creating a community where everyone learns growth mindset from everyone. This is done by examining the growth mindsets of both historical figures and everyday people. We now enter the growth mindset experience. All right, good to have you back for episode 22 of the growth mindset experience. We are starting our mini series, doing it pretty early on in the season. And our mini series focus is Black History to wrap up February, which is Black History Month. And the first person that we are going to be talking about is Nelson Mandela. But before we get into him, let me introduce you to our guest. And if you're familiar with season one of this podcast, then you know Juan. He joined us last season when we examined the growth mindsets of Victoria and Albert, as well as St. Nicholas. In addition to being a popular guest on the Growth Mindset Experience, Juan is a published author. Check out his book on Amazon titled Breathing, A Retelling of Greek Myth. Also take a look at the Facebook page, Thinking Like the Ancients. He manages this page where philosophy of Greek and Latin thought is highlighted. If you like what you hear today, stay tuned, because spoiler alert, he is on again for episode 24, the conclusion of the Black History miniseries. Juan, good to have you again. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me again, Gordon. So at this point, we're just going to go ahead and turn the time over to you to take a couple of minutes and talk about the Nelson Mandela story before we get into examining his growth mindset. So go ahead and take it away. January 1964, a 46-year-old Nelson Mandela stood up in court. He and his fellow Unconto Wesiswe followers, usually translated as Spear of the Nation and known as MK, stood trial for sabotage, communist sympathies, and conspiracy to overthrow the government of South Africa, a government which had implemented apartheid, the segregation of all Black Africans in 1948. He pointed out that in May 1961, 
He had been convicted of leaving the country without a permit and for inciting people to go on strike and sentenced to five years imprisonment. As he related his experiences and attempt to help people understand the injustices of apartheid, Mandela spoke of growing up a member of a proud tribal group in which black South Africans heroes lived, fought, and died. He had been inspired by these individuals to become a fighter himself as apartheid became the tool of control by a corrupt and minority-driven government. Mandela did not deny sabotage, but explained that the purpose of the MK was to prevent outbreaks of terrorism in order to give people a means by which to express their opposition, since all other ways to protest had been closed by legislation. We cannot comprehend, really, what it takes to rebel against the government in an unjust, rigged system. Everything is set against you from the start. You go to jail for crimes that seem legitimate, disobedience to the laws, sedition, anti-government sentiments. But I would ask the audience to think long and hard about what our own founding fathers did. King George III, in a proclamation of August 3rd, 1775, stated that our founders were dangerous and ill-designing men who forget the allegiance which they owe to the power that has protected and supported them. These men were responsible for disorderly acts committed in disturbance of the public peace, to the obstruction of lawful commerce, and to the oppression of our loyal subjects, declaring themselves in rebellion and traitorously preparing, ordering, and levying war against us. I imagine our founders in defiant opposition to these charges, standing much like Nelson Mandela did in a court of British law after losing a war against England, saying much of what he said. In language quite similar to our very own Declaration of Independence, Mandela said that only when the government resorted to a show of force to crush opposition to its policies, only then we decided to answer violence with violence. But it was not terrorism. He proceeds to explain how martial law massacres off Black Africans and continued affronts towards the safety and well-being of non-whites had been the go-to method for the government of South Africa, which left little choice for more peaceful disobedience. The soil of South Africa is already drenched, he said, with innocent blood of Africans. Like Martin Luther King Jr. would explain in his own last speech, I have been to the mountaintop, Mandela, was prepared to die. He was sentenced, instead, to 25 years imprisonment, added to time already served of two years for a total of 27. He was released in 1990 at the age of 71, and one may think South African whites justified in their fear when, in the first true South African election, he, Mandela himself, became president just four years later. One can only imagine the apprehension of individuals who, having oppressed Black South Africans for decades, many of whom had carried out the injustices Mandela explained at his trial, revenge was the expected consequence of a majority Black South African election. He stood again in a podium in May 10th, 1994, and said, out of the experience of an extraordinary human disaster that lasted too long, must be born a society of which all humanity will be proud. The time of healing of the wounds has come. Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace for all. Let freedom reign. Nelson Mandela 
after 27 years in jail, would bring a country together to lead it into the future. I cannot imagine the sheer tenacity and capability for forgiveness displayed in his inaugural speech. I cannot comprehend the immense acclamation he deserves and will never receive. Mandela was listed a terrorist in the United States until 2004. He's still in the terrorist watch list in England today. Yet this man, who resorted to violence only when it was the only recourse available, and who quickly forgave when the change for revenge became apparent, remains a little studied individual and even less read speaker. I really value and respect the fact that Mandela knew when to fight for what he believed in, but then later knew when peace must prevail. And it's interesting because to me, it seems that because he stood up for what he believed in, it ultimately put him in a position of power. But then when the power was given to him, he fought for the unity amongst all sides of the conflict rather than retribution. So real quick, let's get into a couple of his quotes that I would like to share with you. And after reading each of these quotes, Juan, I've got two. I want you to just kind of share your perspective on what makes these quotes that Nelson Mandela gives so impactful when we're talking in terms of the growth mindset. Here's the first one, quote, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear, end quote. What do you think with this one? I just think it's it speaks to experience. He has been afraid. He is afraid. I think in a way in, in the Peoria speech, which is the one that he delivers at his trial, he's terrified. I think he's terrified of the outcome. He's terrified of what's going to happen to the MK after he's gone. What's going to happen to individuals who are fighting for freedom at that time without his calm demeanor, without his guidance, so to speak. And fear, it's all conquering. And what he talks about here, I think, is that fear will happen. Fear is never absent. It is present. It is our ability to have courage in the presence of fear that makes us overcome. And for him, it really was about going beyond. When he says he's ready to die, I know he means it. I know he's, he knows this is a rigged system. It's a system that is going to take him down if it can take him down. In the end, he didn't make him a martyr at the time. But for 25 years, 27 total, he was afraid. And he looked deep into his soul and said, you know what? We can overcome. We can continue moving forward. This is, I think, quintessential growth mindset. Yeah, I see the problem, but I'm going to go and I'm going to try to do my best regardless of the fear and regardless of what I think might happen to me. As I was preparing for this episode, I thought about what it must have felt like to be in his shoes and to really have that experience, like what you mentioned, that experience to know what courage really is. You can't know what courage really is unless you're in a position to find out what courage really is. So here's the second quote. It is not our diversity which divides us. It is not our ethnicity or religion or culture that divides us. Since we have achieved our freedom, there can only be one division amongst us between those who cherish democracy and those who do not, end quote. 
I love it because the root for diversity and the root for division are the same. It means two, right? Two ways. Our two ways of being. What divides us is not the color of our skin. What divides us is not how we see life. What eventually causes that division is our perspective on democracy. He is restating points that he's made over and over again. We just want, as Black Africans, to participate. We want to have equal rights. We don't want to go beyond that. We just want to be able to vote. We want to be able to be part of the democratic system. And that's all we wanted. When he becomes president, the fear is that he's going to do to whites the same thing that whites have done to him and his people. And he says, that is not the case. If you want democracy, we want democracy. And that unites us. That's the only thing that can really separate us if you say democracy doesn't apply to everyone. Let us then come together. And I think that's a huge statement to say for a man who just became president in a nation divided by race. No, it's not race, he says. It's not location of birth. It's not our ethnicity. It is not our culture. It's just democracy. And if you love democracy, like we love democracy, then there is no division. And I think Mandela, again, it's making this statement not only for the whites in his community, but also the blacks. He's saying, guys, these guys love democracy. You love democracy. You suffered. They don't want to suffer. Let us then come together. And it, it's a huge statement. It's impactful. It is real. And it shows to the South African whites that Mandela wasn't there to cause harm. He was there simply to be equal. And that eased a lot of feelings at that time. So how long did it take the South African whites to realize what Mandela's intentions were? It's during the struggle, I guess we could say, of South Africa to win the World Cup that Nelson Mandela really shows if you know the comparison is valid, his true colors. South African whites are convinced that he's going to put only Blacks in the rugby team of the time. They are convinced that he is going to erase white history, Dutch history, English history from the team. And that's not what he does. And even other Blacks in the community were thinking, uh, what is going on? What is happening? And many of them were voting to strip the team of these cultural ideas and cultural allegiances that they have. And he basically says, you elected me to lead. Uh, let me lead you now and tell you the team will remain what it is now. And many individuals began to realize, wait, he is about peace. He is about unity. And he is about coming together. And interestingly enough, the South Africa does win the 1995 Rugby World Cup. And, and I think we see at the beginning of healing as individuals are celebrating together what five years ago would have been an impossibility. You would have never seen a, a white South African and a black South African celebrating a World Cup together. But in 1995, that's a reality. And he makes that possible. Who's another historical figure that reminds you of Mandela and that growth mindset that he portrayed during his lifetime that we've been talking about? Queen Victoria is definitely up there. She never expected to become queen. And we mentioned this in the episode 
when we covered her her life and, and her growth mindset. And Nelson Mandela, he you could argue he's born a leader, but I don't know if he's born a president of a country. And if you listen to him in his earlier speeches, he's 100% set on opposition, division, opposition to violence if needed. He even trained as a guerrilla warfare individual. But when he comes out of this, when he spends his 27 years in jail, he is not only a leader of Black South Africans, but he recognizes the need for change. He recognizes, like Victoria did, they need to adapt. And he does. And so he becomes the leader of all South Africa. And that is a testament to his plasticity as a forward thinker and also to his mindset as well. It's just incredibly powerful to think that a person who had all the reasons to be angry, to be afraid and to act out of fear, rather act out of love and brings, in this case, South Africa together as Victoria brought England together. We see this pattern often. These, these people, through their mindset, can change and, and help the change in others' mindsets and begin to heal wounds as deep as apartheid was. So what aspects of Nelson Mandela's growth mindset do you think you and I and listeners of this podcast can relate to our own growth mindset experience? I like to teach AP human geography and I teach my students all the time. We have to be adaptable, right? We, we have a certain ethnicity. We have a certain culture. We eat what we believe. We do what we believe. We, we do on Sundays what we believe. This concept of who we are is deeply ingrained in our subconscious. And we are part of, we partake in a community that leads us and guides us. And we have people who walk beside us and we get easily trapped in this mindset of this is who I am. This is what I do. And it's really hard for people to change that, right? What I find often is that really good businessmen, for example, when a model fails, they don't think, ah, let me try this model again. Let me try this again. They adapt, they change, they find a new product, they find new people, they get a new team. Our ability to change is, I think, what Nelson Mandela brings to the table. Our ability to become, to renew ourselves, really, and to become someone new. And to our readers and our listeners, in this case, would do well to listen to that idea of, you know, something failed. I didn't do too well. It was just a bad situation. How can I modify my approach and to adapt to the modern situation now? Is there a different way to approach it? And that takes effort, takes courage, because again, as I mentioned, these things are ingrained in us. It's our culture, it's our ethnicity, it's who we are. And Nelson Mandela approaches it perfectly. It's just a mindset of, I can change. Let's approach the problem differently. Thank you for sharing the Nelson Mandela story. Thank you for really examining for us his growth mindset and how that can be applicable to us as well. Be on the lookout again, just in a couple episodes, Juan's going to be back with us with another Black historical figure to celebrate Black History Month. So with that, we're going to go ahead and close this episode and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Growth Mindset Experience podcast. Please leave a five-star review and share the show with your friends before joining us next time. Until then, keep growing and remember that you, my friends, are the Growth Mindset Experience.